Please listen carefully. Welcome to the Rick and Dodd Show. Two dudes, a podcast, and some laughs. Prepare to be underwhelmed. And away we go. Well, that's what, uh, this week we were just trying to, to stay out from under the storms. I mean, basically we got hit with, I think, like three or four separate snowstorms this week. Uh, oh, jeez. And so that's what it was. Uh, we recorded on Monday. Um, and then uh, I forget what was going on. And then I don't like a work thing Thursday. All, that was all day. Um, and so it started snowing Thursday and everybody was freaking out about like traveling for that to in here into Chicago um, and then getting out. And then uh, a big snow like overnight Thursday into Friday, which was it was pretty good uh, once we left, um, sh- you know, shutting a bunch of stuff down. People heard places that normally don't cancel anything were getting canceled the day before. And then we ended up getting more snow Friday into Saturday. Um, and then even more snow like late last night, uh, around like 10 ish into early morning here. Um, so that was just like getting pounded with, with snow consistently. And, um, it was good. Cause it was like, I just come home and, you know, watch the, the snowstorms from up here. Um, and that's not really a, a big idea, um, to, to kind of get over. And I just sit on the couch, watch something on TV and, and watch the snow outside. So that's pretty cool. But, um, <laughs> I just wanted to make sure like yesterday I played in a magic tournament, um, using the term played very loosely um based on results um up in the suburbs and so just wanted to make sure to to get up there uh and back and that didn't really cause any major issues but then coming back from a buddy's house last night um late it was it wasn't horrible um but there were some other people that were not sure how to drive in snow that then made it dangerous for everybody else um so it was it was interesting but uh the only thing with all the snow i just keep thinking is all i want to do is go goddamn sledding um and i really haven't done that and i don't know how long on like a legitimate sledding hill um and i i don't know how much longer uh we'll have for uh like a some good storm so uh i may try to see like how it's holding up because it's supposed to remain pretty cold this week um and we've got a sledding hill near us here um so like all of that was basically uh, thinking of like, I have everything I would need to like where to go sledding, but I don't really have an implement to sled on. Um, so I was trying to be creative and see like what we would have here that would be effective, but not necessarily, um, like injure me and, or be, uh, you know, a dangerous weapon at the same point. Um, so I, I was thinking of, uh, like the air, the little air pad that I sleep on at Comic-Con, that would be something that would work instead of a tube, uh, or a sled or, you know, uh, the, uh, the Griswold, uh, polished disc, um, and stuff like that. So, uh, <laughs> just trying to, just trying to think cause there's a couple snow hills. There's one by the, so the store I uh, play at and there's one in walking distance here. So, uh, if the, if the weather holds up and, or we get any more snow this week, I, I may try to hit that up. So there's a couple things you can use, um, like like you could use the lid to a tote. That works. Um, those work. Uh, uh, trash can trash can lids. Uh, like the plastic, the the like plastic rubber made trash oh, can yeah, that's lids. A good one. Yeah. Um, and you know, and you'll get more functionality out of it. Um, than you'd pay for an overpriced sled. Um. What's well, what in all the yeah. local groups here? So, they were saying that all the they were posting that they wanted to take their kids sledding, and all the places were sold out, and the local Target, and all that stuff were sold out. And so, I mean, that's just where you're not uh, you're not being resilient, like resilient or uh, 
uh, you know, creative enough to, to figure out what else you can use. So that's what I, I just hadn't, didn't have the time to get out or else I would have been digging stuff out. Um, or possibly like, <laughs> I've got plenty of, uh, I mean, I, I imagine that it's, it's pretty well like packed, I guess would be the right word. Um, and so with it, it being cold, it's probably kind of got a good sheen on it. Um, so I, I figured I could even use like, you know, some of my disc golf discs and just flip them upside down and use those as like individual, uh, sliding feet there. Um, so that would, that would be something where, um, it would either be awesome or I tear up my groin. So either way. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, you'll, you'll get it figured out. You'll get a, you'll get a, uh, I just realized chewing on a piece of plastic is probably not going to be the best for audio. Um, no, you'll get it. You'll get it, uh, figured out. Or you'll find swallowing it and choking on it. Oh, please, dude. I have been, dude, like I have been chewing plastic for years, man. <laughs> it's bad. It's fucking bad, man. I fucking dude. I started when I was like fucking like six or seven. I just chew on plastic. It's really weird, um, you know. But yeah, no. I knock on wood. I haven't choked on a piece of plastic yet. That's good. Um, you know, thirty some years running. Woo woo! Feeling the hot streak. So that also with all these uh, snowstorms, it got me thinking about like growing up and all of the the snowstorms and stuff that I did growing up um and just like a lot of the memories from there like one the only time I ever had the chicken pox was when we had a snow day from school well so that was perfect timing um so obviously for me to miss out on playing outside when everybody else was so my grandmother came over to watch me and I'm like literally like sitting in the house like my face pressed up against the window like I'm in prison like watching all the kids play out outside um so that was a good one um a couple of times we uh, we built an igloo inside of in front of the neighbor's yard, um, and so that was being small kids. We were able to build a pretty decent sized igloo, fit inside it, and then like we went down to the the store that was by our house, bought like drinks and ice cream and all that stuff because you need ice cream when you're playing outside in the snow, obviously. And then like we had we just left it in the igloo, and it was like our little refrigerator. Um, so that was fun. Um, <laughs> Uh, I had some other ones I was trying to think. Did did you ever have any snow days growing up? I mean, I I know you you based on Syracuse, but then North Carolina and a lot a couple other places. I, I imagine you ended up having some at some point. Yeah, we had uh, we had a few. Um, there well, so most of them up in. I only had two. Well, I, we moved down here when I started like fifth grade. Okay. Um, and we had. Up in New York, the entire time I only had like two, um, because they'll make you go to school and whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Regardless, um, <laughs> yeah, you're like, there's all the children at the bus stop have gotten swept up in a snowdrift. Uh, fuck it, keep the buses running. Yep. And um, kind of the they, antithesis. Uh, of so the I had North two Carolina approach to that. Yeah, yeah. Down here, I had a bunch. It got to the point where. Um, I even had some in grad school now, which is really funny because grad school, uh, you know, was, um, only a week residency for me. Mm-hmm. So, like, um, those are always fun. Um, I remember, uh, let's see, growing up the very first, uh, the very first, uh, snow snow day I had was this fifth grade. It was that first winter, um, and they got like a ton of snow in like two thousand. 
That's right. Or 99. They got a ton of snow at like in the beginning of 2000. I'm doing quick math. And uh, yeah, I was out of school for like a week. So like that was the issue with like um, the snow days down here mm-hmm. is that they were never just for like a day. Yeah. They would always end up be like multiple days and it became like they lose their luster if they happen all the time. And, you know, it's because like the snow melts and freezes, melts and freezes down here. Like it's miserable to go outside in it. And like <laughs> it sucks because it's like you're like, oh, I want to go play in the snow. And then you're like, everything's a solid sheet of ice and I've busted my elbow. My yeah. lips bleeding and. I'm just going to stay inside. You've got a 15 minute (laughs) window to play where it's actually nice. And then after that, basically you may as well just have like a pair of ice skates on and, or you're just standing like knee high in like soggy grass (laughs) because all the snow melted right away. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. So, um, I remember that. Red were always really fun. Um, because they would get snow up that way a bit. Um, you know, there'd be a dusting of snow on campus. Everything class is canceled. So like, uh, so it'd be really funny. Um, let's see, but other than that, like, because like you you kind of miss the magic of being able to play in it because like uh, the weather didn't stay the way that you needed to. Yeah. Like down this down this way this week, like we've been pelted by fucking rain nonstop, and it's been driving me nuts. Um. Partly because I'm at work and I'm bored shitless and I do a lot of stuff outside too. You know, like I'll go like clean up the grounds and clean up units and shit. And there's just so much rain. And it's just like raining nonstop. Everything's wet and gross. So like I'm sitting by myself in this office and it's wet and gross outside. And I have nothing to do. Like I had a coworker, uh, I had a coworker from another site that came over. And covered for me on Friday because I was uh, helping my mom run some errands. And um, she's like, she's like, is this what you do? She's like, how do you get through it? There's nothing to do. <laughs> and I told her, I'm like, yeah, you saw like the office was cleaned and everything was organized. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and she was like, yeah. And I'm like, uh-huh. I like I could have had you made collection. I like told her like I could have had you make these phone calls, but then I wouldn't have anything to do next week. Yeah. I was <laughs> I was being uh, I was being greedy by actually keeping work I need to do so I don't go crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, I listened to it was so slow on. It was so slow on Thursday. I listened to four podcasts. I, and I usually listen to the podcasts I'll usually listen to are long two hour podcasts. Yeah, most of the same ones for me were. That's why I'm kind of a little behind because they tend to be longer form. And I'm like, I don't have time to get into them. But then I'm just like, oh, well, I never get into them. And so they just sit around. But um, I've, I've started listening to some of them on like 1.25x. So that helps a little bit. But yeah, I'm in the, the same boat. Yeah, like I'll listen to uh, tell them Steve, Dave, and you know they end up usually going an hour and a half too sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll listen to the Giant Bomb podcasts, uh, Giant Beast and Giant Bomb respectively. And each one of those are like two and a half hour podcasts. Um, 
And uh, there's one I'll listen to. I listen to a few others that are really long, too. And I'm just sitting there, and I'm like, oh, no, I've listened to all my, my weekly allotment of podcasts already. Like, well, that's like I have to uh, Pete Holmes with You Made It Weird is usually, like, minimum two, usually, like, two and a half, yeah. sometimes three. Um, and then there's a, a new announcement I saw this week. I don't know when it's coming out, so I want to double check. Um, but there's a new Wolverine series that Marvel's basically venturing into as a podcast first uh, medium for it. Um, so that's going to be like a long form kind of, you know, serial style length um, podcast. So that's another one I'm going to have to add to my list. That now it's just going to kind of, cl- you know, clutter up my week. So um, that's where like I, I need to get. Uh, do some traveling so I can just basically crank those while I'm walking through the airport, you know, on the plane and all that stuff and just get, keep all that stuff going. Yeah. I, um, Oh man, I've, I've gotten in a decent rhythm. I have like a ton of, I have like two conference calls tomorrow. So, um, well, a web, a web webinar training as one of my coworkers, I eloquently said to me earlier, uh, they go, uh, so, uh, we've been here for like five months why are they just now getting around to tell us how to use the software? <laughs> Poor planning. Oh yeah. So, um, you know, they're all worried about like job security and stuff. And I'm like, guys, I'm like, it takes a while for a company to go under and this company's just starting. So they got like three years of struggle. <laughs> like you guys are safe for three years. Yeah, you, don't, you don't have to jump. You don't have to jump ship quite yet. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I've got one of those in the conference call, um, but and then I have I have twenty six phone calls to make over three days, so <laughs> I've got like eight you know eight or nine phone calls to make tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, at least you should be chugging along through that, and then I mean that should help the day go by a little bit faster than you know just cleaning the sink for the nineteenth time. It'll be uh, it'll be call voicemail, call voicemail, call voicemail. <laughs> It'll, it'll, it's a, it's approximately like three minutes of work. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm looking forward to that it. That or just record yourself a, a little uh, voice note on your phone, and then when you get the voicemail, just play that over and over again. Yeah. Or so. if you want it to be more exciting, I mean, like we've done sometimes here, you just start making up voices when you call and, like, just do impressions when you're leaving a voicemail for the person. <laughs> ah, it's Donald! I, uh... And break out a little radio voice. This is Ross hey, Perot. Uh... <laughs> Hey, uh, it looks like you are behind on your account. Uh, why don't you just come on down and pay that before I gotta cut your fucking lock off and sell your shit? Okay, thanks. <laughs> I imagine that would probably get people uh, a lot more payments than trying to be nice about it. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, the, uh, yeah. the the one the reason I was the other thing that uh, kind of came to mind for um the winter and snowstorms and stuff is and kind of timely of this week um with the olympics happening is for whatever reason like i always have the affinity of um uh of the the winter olympics and so this was right around obviously i could figure out when it was but i think it was 92 i I can't remember if lily hammer was 92 and albertville was 94 or vice versa because there was that period where they like switched it every two years to sync up with the summer olympics and then they stopped doing that um but it was whatever year it was lily hammer and like good morning america had like tons of coverage for it and then so like i woke up like every morning to watch it and all they would do is like cover like the biathlon so like I just walk like woke up every morning when I was in like third grade to just watch like people like cross country skiing and like shooting at like targets that are you know 
300 meters away, and I was enthralled by it. And that's like whenever I hear the Winter Olympics, aside from everything else, I've played hockey since I was five. Um, you know, my wife was a former competitive figure skater. Everything else, like all the other stuff that's like personal to the Olympics, like that's the one Olympic memory that's always like top front and center is like Lillehammer, Norway, and waking up to watch the biathlon. So it's that's always what stuck in my head as we were watching some of the uh, Olympic coverage today. Um, but that's uh, we watched some of the uh, uh, opening ceremonies on Friday night that that had some very interesting clothing choices as well for some of the teams. Um, but uh, uh, for the most part, I, it, it seems like it's uh, mostly unexciting so far, but we haven't really caught too much of the, the uh, events yet. You have any plans to watch the Olympics? Yeah, so I've been trying. God, there's just so many. Okay, so uh, well, I mean, first we should off, do like a, a, a whole curling episode next week. Sorry to cut you off. I mean, we should just do like a whole curling episode and like find when the schedule for <laughs> curling is and just like do some of that all our, on our own. Because like Mr. T is tweeting about curling and how like everybody needs to check it out. So like that's like one thing that everybody becomes so, a curling expert like during the Olympics. It's actually funny. I was watch. I watched some curling yesterday. I was talking to a friend of mine. I go, how am I, How do these people get into like get into curling? Because it was like mixed mixed couples cur- uh, curling. And I was like, how, I'm like, how do people get into this? I'm like, did they all just like get a group on? And they're like, this is what we're gonna do. And they're like, you're really good, uh, Jim and Jane. Uh, you guys should go to the Olympics. And then they got like really fucking serious about it. And they're like, I think we should. I think we should too, Jim. Let's go. And. uh you know, like it's like it's just like I don't understand how you even get into that. Well, like I swear a, to God, it has instead of a Nike sponsorship, you get a broom sponsorship. Like I mean, what, yeah, what exactly yeah. are you looking at? Yeah, I have no idea. But um, no. So I've been watching. I've been watching a little bit of coverage. Um, I will say that NBC's coverage on their regular channel uh, is awful. Okay. And uh, some of the I'm not sure how you're watching. Uh, we've mostly DVR'd a ton of it. Um, and okay. so we've been just, we haven't watched much of it live. Um, I mean, we watched the opening ceremonies on NBC, um, which had a lot of awkward pauses. Um, so mm-hmm. that made it more comical than it should have been. Um, and then mostly, uh, yesterday morning I woke up and, uh, watched the Korean, the unified Korean women's hockey team getting destroyed by Switzerland. Um, and <laughs> so that was, <laughs> it was, I, it was eight nothing yeah. <laughs> before I left, and I think that may have been just the second period. Um, it could have been a third, but I'm not sure. Um, and that was on I think I think that was on USA uh, Network. Um, and b- today it was between NBC and um, and USA. I mean, most of the stuff I've seen so far, just like randomly channel surfing, and I land on it has been a lot of skiing. Um, mm-hmm. And so there's been like a lot of like cross country skiing and like almost like cross-country track skiing, which I didn't know was a thing. Um, Like, I knew it was like cross-country, like, go from point A to point B, but this seemed like cross-country style skiing that, like, went around in laps, like, on, like, a pseudo-outdoor course, which was interesting. Um, So there was some interesting – it was kind of like NASCAR on skis, um, so that that was fun. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I haven't really – paid much attention similar to our conversation last week about the Super Bowl and not really listening to the commentators I've been watching or just like visually attracted to what's on the screen but I haven't really paid attention to it as far as any commentary or anything well so excuse me um yes so um the commentators it's not as not as bad as 
pro sports has been. Um, they're actually better. They're actually telling stories. Um, like, so I, the, the Olympics that I remember, I remember 96 was Atlanta mm-hmm. for the summer. And then Nagano, Nagano, like, is realistically, like, the first, like, my mom and I would, like, we actually sat down and watched okay. the Olympics together. And I remember seeing the snowboarding and the freestyle skiing and, um, you know, and being really excited and seeing how, you know, beautiful it was over in, in Nagano and, and with all the snow and all that bullshit. And, um, you know, so I'm, uh, watching, I'm watching tonight. And so one of the things is that there's a possibility that I might be in Japan for the next, the next Olympic. Oh, sweet. That would be awesome. Um, so that's, I mean, that's a possibility, um, you know, depending on how long I choose to stay over there at the very minimum, I get a job in 2019, which is next year. Uh, I would most likely be working through <laughs> for their whole year until whatever that summer would be before I would re up or whatever, or come back. So there's a very, there's a chance that I would be in Japan during the Olympics living relatively close to Tokyo. Um, okay, that's where it is. It and is Tokyo just, proper? Yeah, I believe so. Um, so I'm sitting there and I'm just thinking and I'm watching this and I'm watching this 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 speed skater, you know, because it's not live. Um, but I'm watching the speed skater talking about the speed skates. And the style of speed skate that they have now was basically first debuted at Nagano. And so I'm sitting here and I'm like, you know, there's so many, like, so many memories I have of, you know, of in my life that have been tied to Japan in ways that I wouldn't even realize. So, like, you know, I always love the Olympics, right? I have always, I'm always I've always been big about it. You know, I love, I love, I watch all of them. I remember being so excited watching those with my mom as a kid. Um, and, you know, you know, watching the metal, the metal counts they would do on the morning yep. shows and all that. I remember being so into it and, and loving it. And I, I always have. And it's like, it's just insane that those, like, that's a memory that I have that's, tied to this country that I'm planning on going to, to try and find myself more as an artist. Well, that it's, it's so serendipitous that again, like going and obviously you're not going for the Olympics, but going everything and doing everything like your daily routine or just how you're planning to live your life, that you would end up there in the country that's hosting it with while it's hosting the event that just has so much meaning for you. Yeah. Like, it's it's like that's so crazy like um and, and similarly oh. like i mean that that kind of talks to the 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 serendipitous serendipitedness uh there's probably a couple syllables i i missed in there um uh, of all of that where <laughs> similar like so a really random story last night um that like kind of blew my mind and I was still thinking about it today. Um, but I, I went to, to go play magic last night or all day yesterday. And, mm-hmm. 
and then I, I went there to go to uh, another buddy's house, and they were having uh, friends over to play um, some commander and then draft uh, uh, Iconic Masters. Um, on the the way there, uh, or going from the, the store to the, to my buddy's house, um, I didn't know what the, the plan for food was, so I stopped and got uh, basically the first thing that I saw off the highway, um, which was Taco Bell. Um, now I haven't had Taco Bell in, I want to say close to eight years. Um, probably, well, I want to say it's definitely, I haven't had it since, um, uh, my best friend's son is, was, was, you know, in a car carrier. Cause that's when we took him to, well, you were at the <laughs> wedding, that, that part of the story. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, so that was probably the last time I, I was at Taco Bell. So that, that was a good eight years ago. Um, <laughs> and, uh. And, and so I was like, okay, so I, I saw it. I was like, okay, we'll go there. So Taco Bell was the favorite restaurant of my, one of my oldest friends who passed away back in August that we talked about, uh, when we recorded some episodes around that time. Uh, so I was like, okay, that, that's cool. Like I, I was thinking as soon as I get off and I see something, I'll get it. Taco Bell was the first thing. Like I'll, I'll go and, and kind of do that, do that for him. So I haven't had it in a while. We'll, we'll splurge since it's just me. Amanda's not here and she hates it. Um, just based on many bad experiences with it um so I was like okay so i got that uh you know was fumbling dropping tomatoes in my crotch and all of that stuff as while i was driving right. cheese going everywhere blah 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 so i get to my buddy's house get out and um i i end up going inside and then i, I see some text on my phone and it's it's from uh one of our other buddies um who was asking if there if and this bag of magic cards and deck boxes looked familiar. Um, now before, uh, my, my buddy passed away in, in August, um, like probably close to the past 10 years, he was telling me every time we talked that he needed to find his old magic cards and get them to me, or he needed to, he was going to ask his mom to look for him or before they did anything with that house, he was going to go, you know, through the attic and everywhere to find them and blah, blah, blah. Um, so this bag was those cards but they were found by our other friend's mom at her house. So for obviously 10 years, he wasn't looking for them or wasn't finding them in any way, shape or form because they weren't anywhere. He would have known they were. And then like last night, it was the series of events where I was driving like, Oh, let me go ahead and get Taco Bell because that was Todd's favorite. And then now like playing an all day event full of magic. I haven't had, mm -hmm. you know, Taco Bell in, in eight years. And then, those cards weren't, you know, were, hadn't seen the light of day in hell probably close to 13 years. And then all of that, like, happened at the same time. So uh, I, yep. I know that there's a lot more to, to life than just coincidences. So, I mean, there's there's definitely something there. And that was just kind of – I still kind of keep thinking about it where it's, like, completely, like, mind-blowing that, that that, you know, exact series of events, you know, any other time would have been completely disconnected. But – Mm -hmm. just how everything was so in order at the right time was, was something that was, was very interesting. And so it's very similar in nature to, to kind of what you're saying where ending up in those places and kind of your growth and, and development and just kind of following your heart, like you're going to end up in all these places that whether it is a self-fulfilling prophecy or something that where, you know, it's self-destined to, to, you know, to, to realize um, it's, it's, very cool and, and very similar and, and uh, just it, it makes you feel good about where you're going and what you're doing. Yeah, no, like that's exactly what it is. It's like it's all those 
you know, all those ways that everything's connected in ways that we never necessarily would think about before. And, you know, you, you start to see, you start to see a lot of that. And, um, you know, it, I mean, that's just absolutely, that's like just absolutely nuts. And, and for me, it's just putting those things together and, and seeing how they react. And it's for, there's multiple times where that just, everything gets reinforced in, in many different avenues. Mm-hmm. And, uh, there's a couple other stories that I, I don't remember all of the details now, but like when I was in the middle of it, it was just like, like, holy shit. Well, I mean, even like another example, um, there's a, there's a new dashboard confessional album that got released, I think last week. Uh, but then one of the songs on there is, uh, heartbeat here. Um, with us, with heart and beat being two separate words, not just heartbeat. Uh, but then this weekend in Florida is the second heart camp, um, which is the, just the second revision of all new people based off of, you know, the same thing that we talked about a couple weeks ago. Um, and so the fact that again, those, I mean, obviously it's a little less similar and a little like there's more coincidence that's likely there. Uh, but just like the timing of that is, is even more perfect and more serendipitous and just something that makes it like all the more outright that's just perfectly serendipitous yeah like and that's the thing too it's like you know that's how you know you start to see the world and that's how you truly start to see the beauty in it too you know not to get all fucking lofty or whatever but like it's those coincidences and and seeing those things is you know how you know it's 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 those moments when you see those is like that's you know that's what you're aiming for because everything is connected and you start to see the fiber like it's just it's just nuts well it's basically like uh you know neo in the matrix and actually now seeing the matrix or you know the going in and seeing the code as opposed to um you know being a part of the simulation or, or whatever so i mean so that's something that um time and time again is, is something that is a hundred percent. Like I, I believe that there's definitely more to that than, than anything else. Yes. So as I was saying, you know, I'm writing, you know, it's a poem that I had written for someone who I shared a moment with in that park. And, you know, <laughs> you know, you know, a, a fair amount of time later, years later, years, years later, you know, years later, I'm, going back to that park to, you know, read that poem for two people, you know, who have decided to celebrate their love there. And, you know, in a way, just thinking about it, and I didn't even think about that when I when I even when I even thought about it. Mm-hmm. You know, like as far as selecting that one. I was just Yeah, yeah. I mean I was just sitting there and I was just like, you know, I was like, because I sat there and I was like, I can't write something new. Um, you know, I've been dealing with pretty bad writer's block for a couple months. And, um, you know, half the stuff that I write has been, you know, or I've been think, thinking about. I do a lot of pre-writing, mm-hmm. which is something you're not supposed to do. You're supposed to just sit down and write, as they say. But um, Yeah, when I take that approach, I just never actually get around to writing so I, that is for all the stuff that i do like i actually need to pre-write more because then i think that helps me like get 
the writer's block out of it or at least get like the I it feels like a less of a Sisyphusian effort um mm-hmm. to to do that as opposed to just sit down and kind of dump it all at one time and obviously I've never had any formal training in the technical aspects of writing it was just whatever you did in school and English and uh you know, speech class and stuff like that in college and whatever. So, I mean, nothing as far as the, the technical aspects of how to, how to write creatively and be productive about it. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, so for me, that's, that's the other, the other way where pre-writing would help, uh, you know, many times over, but it's, I pre-write and then I just never get back to actually actual writing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it, a lot of mine's up in my head. Um, and, you know, it's, um, I've actually, so I'm really bad about, uh, actually saving files and keeping them updated. Um, so there've been many a times where I've basically had to rewrite poems or pieces strictly from memory, mm-hmm. um, which kind of sucks. Um, when you're like, okay, what was this? But, um, so yeah, like, you know, I do I do a lot of thinking. I'm thinking all the time. Granted, a lot of the time it's about dick jokes. Um, you know, but it's there's there's uh, um a, a lot of uh, of that and you know, a lot of that pre-writing is just sitting down and I'm thinking and I'm just kind of focused and getting in the zone and you know, you're just going nowhere. And everything, like everything I've thought about has just been bad and not felt right. And, you know, so it's, I mean, I've been, I've been jonesing for something like, um, and you know, it felt like a nice little, uh, a little kickstart, but I, I, I know at the very least being in that kind of moment where I'm basically reading a poem to like, past me you know is probably going to be really surreal oh 100 percent. yeah yeah and um you know it's it's going to be absolutely absolutely nuts and um you know i just i just don't even i just don't even know and you know uh, I mean, it's you know, it's pretty. Everything I write is pretty. I'm not saying that as like someone who's conflated with an inflated ego. It's it's just it's it's the only way I can write things, which kind of sucks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, folks are like, oh, you should write funny things, and I'm like, uh huh. That don't work for Donald. Yeah, I, I know exactly what you you mean as far as work wise, where it's just basically like, no, it is what it is. Like, I mean, that's there's we're not making it i mean for me it's kind of anti-flowery where it could be you know super technical or in a in a certain person's voice or something where it's not gonna it's not gonna cut it in there there's not really gonna be much to change to be in somebody else's voice it's like i write in my voice very easily Mm -hmm. and that's pretty much the only way i'm gonna stay yeah yeah and you know like uh, the donald reviews movie movies poorly section is kind of funny but that's more just me capturing my internal thought monologue while i watch a movie um you know speaking of which the uh miss pumpernickel's home for children (laughs) made of bread is now uh um is now live i I flipped the switch on that one so that that one's up as of uh, this past week so that's good too 
God, was that? I almost feel like that was a Tim Burton movie, but it wasn't. Was it? No, I don't think it was a Tim Burton movie. Oh, my God. I've just, yes, so I actually will be, uh, I plan on watching some, I haven't actually watched a movie so far. I might branch out into some uh, TV shows, possibly, but um, it'll probably be movies. I probably uh, need to see what's on HBO Go or, or uh, Amazon. Um, I, it's actually funny that one of the reasons I was kind of slowed down is I actually stopped watching bad movies. Not like movies I could actually make fun of. Like I watched Moonlight and was like, man, man, this movie's beautiful. And then I was like, I can't make fun of this. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. That dude. Um, I mean, it was I mean, that first that f- have you seen Moonlight? No, it, it's on our list. I mean, that's similar. Okay. Like we have a handful of movies that we wanted to get to. We just caught up on a couple shows we still have like a, a plenty of um uh backlog of, of dvr um but based on travel and eagles coverage and hospital stuff like we've just been way too out to actually get caught up on anything so it's it's one that's at like the top of my list and i'm trying to think of like how i can finagle watching that one sometime soon basically with some upcoming travel that i have too it's i won't spoil anything for you but the movie is paced into three parts, which is very nice. Okay. And the first part of the movie is so beautiful in so many different ways and so heartbreaking um, that it's – I watched it and was like – I sat down and was like, huh. Like I, I, I watched it and I was like Thor – I was – it wasn't like moved to tears or anything, but it was – I was like thoroughly – left going wow that was really beautiful and deserved to win best picture over over almost said <laughs> um the lbj biopic mm-hmm. lady bird johnson no um over moonlight not moonlight uh over la la land Ugh, that's that movie is just totally seems very stiff anyway but ryan goslin and emma stone help save jazz for black people um I imagine that's basically the plot synopsis to La La Land. That's one I could probably make fun of, but uh, yeah, that's, I mean, uh, there's certain musical types that I I love, but that's that's one that's not in my uh, in my wheelhouse to to try to get into anytime soon. Yeah, like, um, you know, I'm very in, uh, you know, I was very indifferent to like after studying you know, theater for a few years and having to consume musicals and meeting musical theater actors and having friends on Facebook who are actually on Broadway right now um, that <laughs> that I'm just friends with because of, you know, whatever. Um, like, no, like, I'm not getting free tickets to Hamilton. <laughs> um, like, I, I know somebody who's in Hamilton I'm not getting free tickets to. I think I know two people in Hamilton. Oh, I'm wow. not getting free tickets. I'm not getting free tickets to Hamilton. Like if I was like, "Hey man, I'm in town. Give me." T-. I'm gonna get be like, uh, "Who the fuck are you?" <laughs> um. So, um. Yeah. So, you know, I've known these people. I've seen them. I've just, you know, I've always been the kind of person or the kind of artist who. 
can't stand when other artists get like really hoity-toity kind of. Oh, yeah. And that's one of the things with that I at least noticed in theater and in musical theater was that sometimes the they got a little too, you know, everybody was just kind of, they're all, mm, let's see, how do I say this without offending people? Um, there was a lot of self-importance that may or may not have been actually earned. Okay. Um, and it was demanded that you recognize that self-importance. And that was as a person who, you know, at the time was maybe 17 or 18, who's just trying to figure out themselves, you know, and and trying to figure out how they want to express themselves as an artist. Um, it's pretty tough to have to deal with that kind of nonsense 24-7, seven days, seven days out of the week. Um, and they just, it, not that they were just too intense. I just didn't have the, I didn't have the stamina to constantly acknowledge other people's own own importance of you know of you know their perceived accomplishments mm-hmm. um and you know i look i mean i re- look i like if you go out and you do shit like i mean yeah people are fucking there are plenty of people in the world that are substantially more talented than me and a lot of different facets uh, of art you know, culture, whatever, like super more talented. There are people that are smarter than me and I've met them. I've met all of those people plenty of times, many times over. And I like being the dumbest person in a room, you know, because at least I know they're substantially, I'm surrounded by substantially smarter people. So I'm probably like, if there's a crisis, I'm probably living just because I've surrounded myself with smart people. Yeah, you always want to um, pull yourself up, not necessarily like it always helps yeah. to have that to have that advantage or the possibility. Yeah. So, um, you know, and, and with that, I notice it's like you know there should just be a lot of people that just wouldn't necessarily be open to growing um, when you kind of just everything you've done is important, and you know you're the most important person in the world, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So. Um, you know, when you have that mentality, you can't grow. It was hard for me to 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 deal with that, um, especially being young and like, you know, people who are maybe, you know, people who haven't necessarily, you know, done things carrying themselves that way is very, you know, younger, older Donald is much more tempered than younger Donald. Uh, substantially so um i used to be i used to sometimes used to be able to be a spitfire um, well as they would say i mean i i don't see that any differently there's a lot now where uh amanda and i are big on on this is us i I don't know if we've talked about if you watch that or not but i mean it's it's a great show um i was a huge parenthood fan so it's it's very similar in nature um but there's a kind of a look looking back aspect and there's looking at characters when they're in their teens um and we don't have children yet but um you know should we eventually have children in in their teens um i I would i would hesitate to to react to them then how i react to the the teenage children 
uh, on the show because I just want to slap the hell out of them. Um, but I'm thankful that my parents and my family didn't react that way to me when I was probably the same uh, spitfire is the best type of word uh, to use when, when I was that age. Um, because, you know, at, at that, that time, every, everything is self-important. Um, you, you know, there's, there's nothing bigger than what's in front of your eyes or, you know, your, what you're doing, stuff like that. Um, but it, it takes time. It takes wisdom to figure that out and kind of grow. Uh, and so uh, there's a lot that's going on, but then at the same time, it's like, fuck dude, I just want to figure me out. Like I, let alone anything else. Like I'm just trying to, to, you know, keep swimming. So, um, I mean, I think that there's a, a lot of life that you need to do to just do that and just figure you out. And I mean, hell, there's not a lot of people that ever can say that they ever got to that place. Um, cause that's for me, it's definitely still something that's an ongoing process. Um, but it's, it's, uh. It's interesting, uh, the kind of flip-flop or the paradigm shift we have with that once we kind of achieve some of that understanding of ourselves, and then you're able to now come back and go, oh, okay, yeah, I can see this. This this is something that, that would be awesome, whereas, you know, when I was a teenager going to Eagles games with, with my dad, and they would end up, when they went to commercial breaks, uh, they would have, like, sponsorship, like, things that would come on the field and they would have somebody on the intercom like talking about uh this you know this kicking contest is sponsored by so-and-so and so it was just like it really felt like the scene in major league two when roger dorn sells the entire outfield stadium and the bob euchre character is like if you want a good proctologist you can come find one in right center field um and so it just <laughs> it was like me constantly bitching about the uh, the capitalist nature of selling out everything to, to the game as opposed to just going up to show to play a football game. Now, obviously, as an adult and growing up, like I understand the need for it and the many factors where now it's not as bad uh, and kind of in your face or kind of hitting you over the head. Um, but, you know, it is what it was at the time, and it's not everything need to, needed to have a commentary on it by someone who was, you know, not really experienced enough to, to kind of look at it. So um, I, I definitely get both sides of that. Yeah, so like, you know, it we all, you know, we all grow like we all grow up and 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 that's the kind of thing about maturing and stuff and you know, it, you know, I honestly, yeah, younger Donald would agree just right with right right with younger Rick about the whole capitalist nature of stuff with that anyway. Uh-huh. Like uh um so but no, it's, you know, now it's like I'm much more tempered. But now instead of like now that I realize that I don't have that ability to basically deal with folks like that at long periods of time, I just don't deal. I just don't put myself in those situations. Um, You know, if folks don't want to, you know, value my time or are basically going to, you know, have egos that are pretty large, you know, I don't want to, I don't, I don't have the, I'm not going to deal with it. And, you know, and I don't think that's like crazy, crazily unreasonable or, or anything like that. Or, you know, it's, I just, cause I, I, being around those, being around those people constantly and, you know, especially when people with that mentality are in positions of power, um, are absolutely, absolutely mind-numbingly miserable to be around. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 
I mean, the word insufferable comes to mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, you know, a lot of folks don't realize, you know, that everyone plays a role in life. And whatever that role is changes from day to day. Um, You know, like if you're going to teach people something, your role is no longer I'm the hotshot up-and-comer who hasn't hit their superstardom yet of their respective field to I am inspiring the next generation. You know, there's a change in roles there. If you stick to ain't nobody realized my genius yet. Yeah. Spoiler alert. There's a good chance nobody's going to realize your fucking genius. Secondly, I don't know what I started off with. <laughs> Spoiler alert into secondly. Uh, a to D. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, subsection C4. Um, like if they if somebody recognize your geni- recognizes your genius, there's a good chance you're already going to be dead. And, you know the chances of that happening while you're alive are just so slim and so minuscule. It doesn't make sense to carry yourself that way. Absolutely. Um, and what I realized, the other thing that I realized is that, you know, over the, over the years and seeing meeting super talented people and being instructed by, you know, uh, you know, Pulitzer Prize nominees or Pushcart winners or National Book winner, National Book Award winners, um, and meeting friends who've or making good friends who have been semifinal, you know, <laughs> Pushcart nominees and yeah, I mean, you, you just know, never know not... where what intersections you're going to make and kind of how you'll be able to to interact with people and and just kind of what paths you're going to cross just by you know being you. Yeah. And it made me realize that it would just come down to a lot of it comes down to insecurity. And, you know, you can't be as an artist, as a creator, there's always going to be a piece of you that's going to be insecure about what you make or the art that you create. And uh, simply because you're taking a part of yourself and putting it out there for others to view. And. (laughs) <laughs> any God-fearing American always feels they're not <laughs> so where that was going um, you know um, you because that's it's, it's something that's so intrinsic to all of us that when we do that when we're vulnerable you know that's our biggest fear is that something that we create isn't good enough mm-hmm. um, you know it's why people fear rejection um and I, I noticed that I, because of my experiences of spending four years in theater school, basically being told I was worthless and being constantly rejected, um, those were some of those were paraphrases. Um, and you know, I realized I approached sending my writing out substantially different than my peers. Um, when I send something out, um, you know, it basically would be like, oh, I sent this out. Um, they're either going to accept it or they're not. Mm-hmm. My peers are like, they ham and haw and they're always nervous. I don't know if they'll accept it. I'm nervous. And I'm like, you can't change what they're going to think, you know, and 
you've already taken the step to put it out there. Um, you know, you can't, you know, <laughs> you can't take it back. There was, um, oh my God, who does that? Uh, I believe it was, uh, pick, pick Benedict as one of the fiction instructors at Queens. And I think it was him. I could be what? Okay, one of the fiction instructors at Queens would do this, where uh, did this exercise where they would basically have you write down your uh, deepest, darkest secrets, or or confessions, or what have you. They would have you basically write those down on a piece of paper, and uh, or they would have you basically write a letter to a person who you needed to write a letter to, and they would. They would have, they would basically go, um, you would write them, he would take them all up and go, okay, I will send all of these letters to who they're addressed to. And it was along the same way that he would take approaches to, to, uh, you know, the long story short, it was all about basically, if you're not willing to share a piece of honesty, something that you're being with honest with yourself and honest with your target audience, mm-hmm. It's not worth it to send it out. And that was a big thing. I like that was another big thing of that is I just couldn't handle I couldn't handle to quote our boy Holden Caulfield, I couldn't handle all the phonies. Nice. Um you know. And I mean that's something that really just wears on me. It's like now as like as you know, as an adult or someone who is older, closer to adulting age. Um yes, I can rent a car. Um, yes, I get excited about soups. Um, <laughs> like that's how that's how I determine like I'm old. I get excited about soups now. Uh, we spent the morning in bed uh, <laughs> until close to noon, um, ordering. You know the, the the finally stratifying the choices we had for extra wide shower curtains and a. Uh, hallway for the bench so and like how i can better organize the kitchen and where cube organizers are going so i i 100 percent understand the quandaries of self-identifying as a quote-unquote adult no i mean all of that stuff needed to be done and like we've been talking about doing it forever but just like that was our sunday morning so i i feel like Yesterday, I spent all day playing a card game, and then today, I, you know, had penance for that and had to figure out how I'm going to, you know, redecorate the bathroom with an extra white shower curtain. That's, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> I, um, it's so funny, our mutual friend, uh, Jim, because, uh, you know, I've been, I've been doing, I've been cooking more, um, and experimenting with that, uh, learning Japanese style dishes and what have you, um. Jim and I basically just our buddy Jim and I uh, we just end up exchanging recipes. <laughs> He'd be like, "I made this thing; it was really good. Here's the recipe." <laughs> nice. <laughs> and it just kills me because I never thought if you had told, I mean, I mean, like if you had told, like you know, you know, fourteen year old Rick who's yelling about the capitalist agenda being shoved down his throat at Eagles games. Um, you know, that he would be, uh, 
you know, shopping for <laughs> in, in in a couple decades, he'd be shopping for uh, uh, extra large shower curtains to uh, redecorating his bathroom. He'd probably tell you to get bent, much like, uh, you know, younger, younger Donald. Yep, exactly. <laughs> like you're going to be exchanging recipes with your buddy who has a wife and kid. What? No, nah, man, I'm going to go fucking change the world, dude. Yeah, let me see how well that fucking turned out. Yeah. <laughs> womp, but, womp, um, womp. Yeah, yeah, fucking, you know, it was uh, Drew Carey with the fucking, fucking Price is White right sound effects. Um, But yeah, like, you know, I just, you know, it's that honesty and and that we always strive for. And as you get older, you end up being more honest with yourself. Like, um, there's a gentleman that I went to Queens with, uh, who I graduated with, who, um, a talented writer, um, but he's an older gentleman and the poems that he would write about, um, him basically confronting death or, um, he was in his seventies when he graduated. Um, um, because for low residency programs, it's usually like. Low residency programs are basically the equivalent of if you play in the game of life and you get to choose a new career. That's basically the equivalence of a lot of low residency programs for MFAs. Um, Basically, it's like, I want to re-roll to do something. And you're like, I'll be a college professor. Um, So, um, so he would write these poems. He would write these fucking sonnets or whatever and and they would be you know they'd be whatever um but he would write these poems about either watching his friends die or um you know or confronting death or what his version of the afterlife would be like and they were mind-blowing and you know i mean for fuck's sake he wrote a line there's a line in one of his poems where he goes with each passing year my rolodex gets smaller yeah, and it's like I've heard yeah, similar lines like, of that before, and that's I mean that's a mind blowing thing and yeah. kind of a really uh you know fuck yeah. up your internal headspace thing. Yeah, yeah, and you know, and and you know, and those poems you would write would just be like, and that's that kind of honesty. It's like you know, I would be like, hey, hey, I'd be like, hey, hey, bud, I know how you're terrified of dying, just like I am, but keep writing about that yeah, exactly. because it's really good. <laughs> Yeah, let's keep pulling that blood from a stone, and you know that stone being your soul and uh, everything else that you know you're afraid of. Yeah, just keep keep pouring that into it. Just keep it going. It, it's got great stuff. You know, yeah. Let's uh, yeah, let's yeah, keep it yeah. keep it cranking. Let's let's turn the, the valve a little bit, just like uh, you know, throwing a, a, a tap into a maple tree and getting some of that syrup out. Yeah, let's just keep keep it flowing. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, and that's the thing. It's like a lot of times, you know, we end up being afraid to be honest with ourselves and. And, you know, a lot of that, you know, with that self inflated self importance, you know, there's a lot of that that happens. And, um, you know, it it's 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 what that comes down to is, you know, in the long scheme of things, you know, we're afraid to be honest with ourselves sometimes a lot of the time. And once you start to become more honest with yourself and realize and you start to lose a lot of your patience for other folks, 
uh, for when they're still kind of just playing the, you know, when they're still trying to play, kind of play the game, and you're like, it's up, man. It's up. You you know, it's like I know that you know I know what I know about me. I know what I know about you, and the jig is up, buddy. Like. You're not fooling anybody. I've had that internal monologue more times than you will ever know. So I'm right there with you on that one. That's like you know, we're we're brain sharing on that one. We're on the same wavelength. Yeah, like, and I mean, it's one of those things. Like I've, I've, you know, I, I've always been, and you know, it's tough for me to be around other artists. Um. Not because I'm some tortured fucking genius or whatever. It's just, I, it's tough for me. I can't constantly talk about craft <coughs> because that's too exhausting for me. I just do it, you know? Um, and a, a lot of artists, you know, they want to focus on craft and talk about it and then talk about their work and yada, 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 yada. I mean, this podcast, honestly, is the most that I ever talk about my work at all. <laughs> like, you know, and I just, you know, I it's just so much and it's so, I don't know, it, it's just too, it's too much. <laughs> the rent is too damn high. That's pretty much, that, that's pretty much what that ends up coming down to. Well, and I mean, again, for the most part, that's where it goes back to the growth and experience where you still have to go in with that on yourself because you don't want you don't want to feel self-congratulatory. But then, like, you need to kind of be able to walk that fine line where you need to understand the difference between, you know, the confidence and no one sees my genius. So, I mean, that that's a, you know, that, that definitely <laughs> fine line there um, to be able to have the confidence to, to keep going. Um, and understanding that it, it's good and not necessarily that you have to, you know, suffer for your art, but, um, that, uh, that is, you know, work for you just as, as much as work for anybody else's. Um, but that it's, you know, the understanding and kind of the, the self-perspective that only comes with time. So that's a, you know, a, a little bit of that too. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's, <laughs> you'll never understand my genius. I have I have one story. So I have I have one um, of you'll never understand my genius. So I'm not going to name any specific names because this this story is a, a bit embarrassing. But it involved it happened at one of my residencies. Um, uh, uh, it was my fourth residency, so it was my last actual residency. Um, when I would come back, I'd have a graduating graduating residency, and then they had me my debt and my diploma. And send me on my way. And um, and I would be a master of fine arts and they'd give me a little hood that I get I would get to wear at ceremonies and this and that. And um so which is fancy is now whenever if I end up being a professor, I have a fancy costume piece. Um so uh there was this person who was very, 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 very um full of themselves it was um someone's it was their first year uh in the program and uh they were a slam poet and uh they uh were really um i had a few workshops with them and um 
they weren't uh, they weren't very kind in critiques um, to the point where one of them basically said uh, one of the critiques basically said I was illiterate. Oh wow! And didn't know and didn't know how to write a complete sentence. Okay, yeah, that's a that's a bit bit bold of a critique. Yeah, uh, from someone who turned in a 20-page manuscript filled with typos and, um, you know, basically, like, weren't even real poems. And I was just like, okay. Um, You know, and she acted because she was upset with what I told, uh, they were upset with what I told them on their critique about their critique, which was, you know, you've got a really good start here. This is the thing that's interesting to me as a reader. You should expand on that. You don't need three pages to get to a verse that's interesting. Yeah. That's, that's a totally fair thing to say to someone. So, um, this person, um, decided to stand up in the, uh, middle of a seminar about publishing during the question things. Now, this they had just basically um, uh, for an hour. It was like an hour and a half seminar. Uh, for an hour and fifteen minutes, you had many different writers from many different fields tell you not to self-publish. That it was awful, it was terrible, it could really fuck up your chances of getting a book deal, in the, a good book deal in the future. Um, simply because you can go and take uh, something you've written um, to a uh, vanity press um, and, you know, it could turn out not great if you pursue, if like you try to pursue it hard as a career um, sometimes that can not work out. Like now that stuff has changed, you know, in the last, you know, in the last few years well, where I was gonna say how, like how old or long ago was that? Because that's specifically like, that's how you do everything now is you just self publish everything yeah. until, you know, the shit you're throwing against the wall sticks and then you run from there. But I mean, that's pretty much the, the yeah. main way that you see everything happening now. Yeah. Um, and granted, I think, um, thanks to self-publishing, we get some really fantastic stories. Um, uh, <laughs> however, we get some not so great stories. Um, and not, we get some stuff that's just not refined. Um, and, uh, so, and that's basically the point they were kind of getting at was like, don't just immediately re immediately resort to self-publishing something. Um, at least without making sure, you know, that like you can self-publish something basically if it's if you feel it's refined enough. But if you don't, you don't want to do that. Generally, um, you know, people are it's becoming more accepted now and that it's people are able to build careers off of it. But there's still a decent chance that if you go to a publisher later um, and they they're able to see what a previous book that you self-published did sales wise, you can fuck up your sales numbers. Okay. You could fuck up your chance. So like, um, you could self-publish a book and it sells a thousand copies or, you know, um, 
that's going to totally affect your numbers because now your name has a sales record attached to it. So you could basically write a book that or write something that basically becomes New York Times bestsellers bestseller and you get fucked in the contract negotiations for the manuscript because you had that previous thing attached to your name. And that's the point they really wanted to hammer in. It's like if you self-publish, you go all in with it. That's how you do the promotion and that. Because they even said, you know, even with even when you do publish through a publisher, you still have to do a lot of the self-promotion stuff anyway. Yeah, I mean, it, with so, a lot of the, the smaller authors that we go with, there's a lot of – or that, that we follow and read and buy their books and everything. There's still – all the book tours that they're doing is very much still a uh, – in talking to them, a, a very much a self-promotion aspect to a lot of the book mm-hmm, tours and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's part of the reason that I have a Twitter. Um. <laughs> I haven't started a Facebook fan page because it would probably just be my mom and um, <laughs> and she would probably leave the group to and from from time to time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so um, and then probably the neighbor's dog's Facebook profile. Um, but <laughs> so fucking stupid. You don't understand how. <laughs> how on point you are with that comment that there's we just have uh, i'm looking at my computer and it says disk space remaining for recording 24 hours and 41 minutes i don't have enough disk disk space left to to go into those profiles so yeah that's we'll we'll leave it at that but your nail head move on type thing um so you know that's the thing it's like Self-publishing is not terrible, um, but they really want – it's something you can't just go into willy-nilly. Um, and you can <clears> – the whole thing was basically be protective with your work. Don't rush out and self-publish everything because it could fuck you over in the long run. Um, not only with publishers, but let's say you finally got a poem into the Harvard Review, right? Uh, but you posted that on Facebook, on your Facebook blog. Guess what poem you just self-published without realizing it? Yeah. Guess what you don't get to do now is fucking add the Harvard review to your fucking your bio. You know, like or I think Harvard still has a review. Um, you got published in the New Yorker, you know, like, yeah, exactly. Like that's the kind of thing. You know, all of that stuff is based on first publication rights. And not a lot of people realize that. Um, and, you know, so we're, you know, so it was an hour and a half of that. You know, do not self-publish, um, you know, and like basically generally do not self-publish if you do understand the risks. So this person who told me I was illiterate uh, in a review, um, whose exact quote was, uh, your poems are syntactically broken, um, which I was. I guess, which is most likely worse than being illiterate, um, which basically means I don't even know how to speak properly, yeah, that, I suppose. That, that's an interesting one. Yeah. So um, they stood up and was like, just loud and proud. Um, well, I know you said not to do this, but I went and did this. And this is a situation I had. I, I uh, published it. Uh, I self-published a chat book of 50, you know, about 50, you know, it, that 
was a small print of like 50 for family and friends. Uh, would that be an issue? And they're like, uh, yeah. Like they literally just told you for an hour and 15 minutes not to do that. And if you did that, you probably should have been kind of hanging your head in shame or realizing, you know, whatever. You just published a book that had a <laughs> print run where it only sold 50 copies. Basically being that, that Homer Simpson <laughs> gif of uh, fading back into the bushes then? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And they were just like, um, you know, what are you doing? <laughs> like... You know, like, no, we just told you not to do that. And like, that's and like, that's an that's a prime example of how self-publishing can hurt, hurt a writer um, where, you know, makes it even worse is that they didn't even she didn't even make any they didn't even make any money off of it because she's the one who bought all the copies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, so, yeah, um. You know, and, the, you know, and the other thing was that, like, they would talk about, you know, uh, book quality that, you know, with Vanity Press's um, quality, you know, is all over the place. Like, I have had people who have self-published books um, who uh, <laughs> have given me copies and their chat books that are held together with uh, staples. They're not binded at all or anything, and they look like uh, pamphlets that you would find at Planned Parenthood. Oh, my God. Yeah, just the horrible, like, regular, you know, buy the 100 print uh, or buy the normal just, like, refill printer paper and print it out on that. Yeah, yeah. uh, So, but, yeah, so, I mean, you know, egos like that. I'm like, I may be illiterate. Um. But I'm pretty sure I know for a fact that I can at least comprehend something when someone tells me not to do it for an hour and 15 yeah. minutes. <laughs> yeah, I just, oh my God, I can't even imagine that. I couldn't even, you know, standing up just so full of you don't recognize my genius. Um, I think she, I think that person finished the program too. Um, sometimes folks get so embarrassed, they, uh, end up, uh, leaving in, in, uh, in, in disgrace, uh, shame. Um, or there've been folks that have been like, I don't, there's been a few folks, um, who've who actually went to my the program that i graduated from who were asked to not return um oh, you might wow, be fam- bold. um you might be familiar with their books they they rhyme with uh sender's name okay um uh you know uh they that that person was asked not actually to return to uh the program oh wow um <laughs> Um, so yeah, um, you know, it, it happens at all, all walks, uh, you know, all walks of life and everything, but that's just the, I just, I just remember that brazen there. I just, I just remember that moment and just the, I was, 
I was like, yeah. I'm like, I, I, it's one of those few moments where you get to see karma in action. Yeah, you very rarely get to do that. And then when you can, you can revel in it. Although I was experiencing that yesterday playing Magic and the draws I was getting because I pissed off the statistics god somewhere. But other than that, <laughs> you very rarely get to see it in action. But when it is there, it is uh, very cathartic. Yes. I, uh, <laughs> yeah, the statistic guides for me and Magic are probably pissed off the same dude. Um, dude or gal. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I'm absolutely excited. I know we're probably going a little long here, but, um, yeah, we I am start to abs- wrap it up. Um, I am absolutely excited for a playthrough, uh, this coming up weekend. Nice. Um, I will be there Saturday and Sunday. I'm going to try and weasel my way in for free. Uh, most likely not. Um, I'm going to see what it's going to go like. Um, and next year, um, I most likely won't be able to do it, uh, this year. Um, but what I would love to do next year is I actually think I want to try and get a panel. Um, and then maybe we could do some live podcasting. That'd be awesome. Uh, yeah. Uh, from the, from a convention, from the convention floor. Yeah. That'd be cool. Um, so yes, I will be there. If any of the listeners, um, you know, want to say hi, I'll be the, um, the doofus with a camera around my neck and, uh, and a book bag and trying to buy rare and expensive NES games from the vendors <laughs> while, while yelling about, uh, <laughs> while yelling about other things. Cosplaying <laughs> as the comic book guy from the Simpsons and, uh, <laughs> being, being spot on with the, uh, um, uh, assertion of the, the quality of games, uh, the vendor has worst games Ever. Please listen carefully.